You have found the Lions College Football Podcast for week number eight. My name is Steven Andrus, managing editor at thelines.com, joined every week on this show by Brett Gibbons, the Lions College Football Writer. We have a full slate of games to get to here, including some Thursday night action in the ACC. But first of all, Mr. Gibbons, please uh, tell us about your latest stadium experience, my friend. <laughs> uh, wild game between West Virginia and Baylor. Uh, absolutely difficult pill to swallow uh, if you're a Baylor backer like I was that, that we talked about on this podcast. Um Blake Chapin inadvertently fumbled the ball with his own knee that was picked up a return for West Virginia touchdown. And Baylor also had a blocked extra point return for two. And that was the difference in the game. Otherwise, that bet hit. Um, But it was incredible. Morgantown, great place, great people, uh, had a great time. And we are up to 110 stadiums now that you've visited? Or was that a repeat? That one was uh, one that I visited before. So we're still at 107. I got the Penn State whiteout on tap this Saturday. Love it. Love it. You can follow all his journeys on Twitter at road to CFB. And yeah, I'm with you. Bad beat there on Baylor, but we move forward here. We're not going to have, uh, we're not going to have good outcomes for every single bet we make this year. There will be some bad beats here and there, and we are going to begin with Thursday night football in the ACC, Virginia at Georgia tech. Georgia Tech, a three-point home favorite. This one, again, Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN with a total of 47. Uh, What are you looking at in this one other than some offense for Virginia because they haven't really showed it much this year. I have a a friend who's a UVA alum who's like tweeting every Saturday, this team is terrible, this team can't move the ball. Well, he's right. He is right, yeah. Virginia has just been beyond inefficient this year, 125th in total EPA. 105th in plays run per game, uh, 128th in passing again, despite having Brennan Armstrong, who threw for over 4,000 yards last year. It's fine. This team is just completely broken. Uh, Georgia Tech, though, their offense is not much better, even under uh, their new interim Brent Key. They're 115th in success rate on the year, but they are on a two game win streak. And those wins are over Pitt and Duke, who Duke's playing good football this year. So those are two really quality wins that they're riding. Uh, and then they have a bye week. Uh, they, they're riding a bye week coming into this game. So, um, you know, Georgia Tech is leaning into the run game a little bit more. They're playing a lot better defense under this new guy. I don't know if it's a coaching change. I don't know if it's just a small sample size or if they're just playing harder. Um, the point is they're, they're playing not the worst football in the ACC. That title belongs to Virginia. Um But they actually have, Virginia uh, has actually been pretty impressive defending the run. They're 18th in EPA per game uh, against the run. And that's what Georgia Tech is going to want to do. Jeff Sims, good quarterback, inconsistent, uh, but he's a playmaker. But they're going to want to run the heck out of the ball. If you look at their splits in the last two games, they're just, they're lining their top two backs up and Jeff Sims and being like, we're going to run this ball 50 times a game. Uh, So I'm going to actually lean under the point total here at 47 because Virginia, again, counters pretty well with that. I don't think either team's going to be moving the ball that well. Uh, this this might be a tough watch. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I I think I'll be watching the uh, the other game that's on Thursday night instead of this one. But but yeah, I, I think you made great points here in terms of betting this one for sure. Um, and I think that you know what one I want to go back to the well here talking about you know a lot of people novice betters will be looking at ESPN FPI asking the question why Georgia Tech is a three-point favorite if they are actually in FPI about a point worse than Virginia. And I think you make the point that you got to look at a little bit more of a, a, 
I'm not saying look at small samples, but I'm saying look at what they've done recently. They're starting to make improvements. Um, this is not a line that's certainly implying that Georgia Tech has four points of home field advantage by any stretch. I would think you would agree with that. Yeah, but no. <laughs> it's it's more of a comment that you see the Yellow Jackets improving. Yeah, it, definitely look at the season long splits. But we're at a point in the in the season which uh, it sucks to say. We're, we have seven full weeks of data behind us that we should be looking at last three, last two, and comparing it to the season as a whole. You know, are they playing better? Are they playing worse? Uh, especially with a lot of coaching shakeup that we've seen so far this year, it is really important to make sure that you know how this team is playing right now um, as opposed to just taking their season-long splits out of context. All that being said, you know me, I like to look for live opportunities here, and I think I'm going to risk uh, Georgia Tech maybe giving up a field goal or punting on their first possession, and, and then we can get a minus two and a half here probably on Georgia Tech um, to get under that key number of three. Okay, the game that everybody came here for, the Syracuse Orange at Clemson, 13.5-point favorite. The disrespect on my Syracuse Orange will not be tolerated. Although I agree with the spread <laughs> noon, noon Eastern time game on ABC, both teams undefeated. I am shocked to still be saying that as a Syracuse alum, but here we are. They have pulled monster upset over Clemson in recent years. The over under here is 49 and a half. Give me hope, Brett. Give me hope that the miracle run continues. Uh, no, thanks. I'm on Clemson minus 13 and a half before it hits 14 <laughs> points. I, I can't. They Syracuse did upset Clemson. That was great. Uh, it was also at home in Bend, the Carrier Dome. That's, you know, honestly a difficult place to play as much as we make fun of it. It, it really is. But they're going on the road here. Uh, Syracuse, the 114th strength ranked strength of schedule per ESPN's FPI. That is the easiest in the Power Five by a healthy margin. Um, I do like that Syracuse is coming off that bye to play Clemson, but when you have such a wide talent gap, it can really only help so much. So uh, when you're attacking Clemson, their weakness is their defensive secondary. They haven't really been that good against the pass this year, but I don't trust Garrett Schrader really all that much as a passer. He's a terrific playmaker, and this team is built around the run. They're not really built to expose Clemson's defense uh, like Wake Forest did. Um, interestingly, uh, just 23.8% of opposing yards on Clemson this year have come on the ground. So if you're kind of projecting that out, is Syracuse going to be able to, you know, quadruple up their rushing output to beat Clemson? I vote no. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Syracuse is also 119th in rushing success rate allowed. Uh, they're allowing teams to get yards. If you look at like their yards per attempt allowed and stuff like that, it, it's pretty good. But the point is teams are consistently getting these chunk yards, four, five, six yards against them. Uh, and Clemson is absolutely built to do that. Will Shipley at 121 yards against Florida State last week. I think this is just going to be, I believe the term is a crockpotting where you just let them sit in there and it's just seven points, seven points, seven points, seven points. It's not these big explosive plays. They're not shutting them down. Uh, but then, you know, you look at halftime and all of a sudden the score is 28 nothing. Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, Syracuse is the luckiest undefeated team in the country at this point at 6-0. and Not only did they get to face a ranked NC State team without their, without their starting quarterback in their last game, but they needed a, a last-second deep ball corner route pass to beat Purdue. They probably lose that game. We just talked about Virginia being one of the worst offenses in the country. They needed a... a 
you know, in the closing minutes with a minute 14 left to beat them by two, 22 to 20. So they, to me, they really haven't had an impressive game since the opening week win against Louisville. So they, this team could easily have two losses. If that's, if that was the case, what would the spread be at that point? So I think, uh, I think I'm with you here. I'm obviously hopeful. It's, it's already been, a season that has exceeded expectations. And as long as we beat Notre Dame for my household of uh, Notre Dame fans and my in-laws who are from Indiana, that's even better. But I don't have any dreams of beating Clemson here in this spot on the road. So um, I agree with you that that 13 and a half is a good number here. 14, a stopping point for you? Yeah, probably. Uh, And honestly, now that we're kind of hashing through it, I also like playing the under here, especially if it hits 50 points. Uh, I, I just think Clemson's going to hold Syracuse to peanuts. And I don't, I mean, their offense is going to be built around these chunk plays, the, these ch- chunk runs. And I, I don't think it's going to be a DJU throwing for 400 yards. So if you want to play under 49 and a half, that's an interesting play to me. Um, yeah. If it's 14, I, th- I think I'm stopping there. Uh, but 13 and a half is, is exciting to me. Another noon game on Saturday in college football, Cincinnati minus three at SMU. This one on ESPN, a total of 59 and a half. What is it about this game that stood out to you and and made you want to uh, consider a bet here on the Bearcats, the road favorite? Yeah, I I am betting Cincinnati minus three. I I like it a lot. Uh, So Ben Bryant, their quarterback, should be back this week. Uh, and their top receiver, Tyler Scott, who is he's just a monster. He takes top off every defense he plays. He's also back. They both missed last week. Um, I don't like the line. I, I, I don't like that. The line hasn't moved off of Cincinnati. That's usually kind of a red flag for me. But Cincinnati is just a better team. Uh, you know, the market has been off on SMU this year. They're one in five against the spread with an average deviation of about four point three points. Uh, that's that's pretty significant. That is actually one of the lowest against the spread records, obviously, and one of the largest point differentials of any team in in the uh, country this year. Uh, Cincinnati hasn't really been able to run the ball well this year. Uh, Indiana was a tough game because Indiana is a really good defensive line. They have a really good run defense, but SMU just, just straight up can't defend the run. Uh, Cincinnati is 97th in rushing success rate, while SMU is 121st in EPA per rush. So I think Cincinnati is going to be able to run the football here. I don't know if SMU is going to be able to do the same because Cincinnati's defense pretty good. Their weakest point again, like Clemson is their defensive secondary, which is tough for SMU because they have Tanner Mordecai and uh, Rasheed Rice, who's just goodness gracious. He's probably going to be a first round pick coming the NFL draft here. But I'd like to look at the field position battle because I think it's going to be really huge in this game. It's going to be a determining factor. Cincinnati has been consistently excellent in pinning teams deep in their own territory. Now, that does mean punts. I've seen that they punt the ball quite a bit, but they're consistently able to pin those teams back and then rely on their defense to get the football back with advantageous field position. And SMU is 100th in average starting field position so far in the season. Uh, My aggregate power ratings like Cincinnati by about five and a half on the road. Uh, two and a half point difference from what the spread is. So I'm taking it. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I was a little surprised to see this number so low uh, to your point that the line hasn't moved. We are seeing a bit of a change in price, at least on that key number of three. There are some books popping up here with with minus one fifteens instead of the standard minus one ten. So there is a bit of money here on Cincinnati 
on the road here who, you know, to their credit, has really locked in after that opening week loss to Arkansas on the road and just taking care of business, ripping off five straight wins and doing it pretty comfortably in most of these games. Um, they did only have the four-point win against USF, but for the most part have, have taken care of business here after that disappointing loss to open the season after the, the great undefeated season to get into the playoff uh, a year ago. So I'm, I'm with you there. I think that number's short, and I'm going to be betting Cincinnati as well in this game. Yeah, and I do want to talk about those opening week games really quick that because we've had all offseason to assess these teams and figure them out, and then they come out week one and do something. We've seen it with Oregon when they got blown out. We've seen it with Cincinnati when they lost. That too much stock sometimes is put into these week one matchups where they're either confirming our priors or tearing them down. And it's really hard to be able to say, okay, that was one game because it was also the only sample size we had for the first week or two. Uh, and turn around and be like, okay, maybe that's not the team that we have on hand this year. And I think that's true Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is being underpriced because people are looking at that week one. And they're also looking at, well, they didn't blow out USF. It, okay, that that's that's genuine concern. But last week, you know, they beat Navy without their starting quarterback and top receivers. So um, I, I think that it's, it's very difficult to get off those week one biases, I guess for lack of a better term, and get back on the, no, Cincinnati is still a very good football team. For sure. I mean, we have to keep it in the context of who they're playing at this point, right? They're not playing a, a, an SEC team. They're playing their conference now, which is, you know, obviously not one of the stronger conferences in the country. So, yeah, absolutely keep it in perspective there. And, and it's a small number. Like, we're talking three points here. So, um, very interesting, very astute analysis by you, I think. SEC football Saturday afternoon. I don't know how it's going to live up to the uh, CBS game last week between Alabama and Tennessee, but we will try. Ole Miss at LSU. The Tigers, one and a half point home favorites, over under of 66 and a half. What, uh, what caught your eye on this one? The fact that LSU is favored. And mm -hmm. that's frightening. That's very frightening to me. Um, the projections do have these teams pretty close. Uh, the aggregate power ratings only really favor Ole Miss by about 2.2 points on the road. But that's like a three and a half point deviation from the spread. So uh, I definitely have a red alert going off my head. Why is Ole Miss, who's been playing extremely well, a top 10 power rated team in underdog on the road to LSU? Or if you take away the home field advantage, Almost even, only a half point favored, right? If you take away the 2.1 points on the home field advantage. Now, LSU Tiger Stadium, very difficult place to play, but not at 2.30 in the afternoon central time. You know, when you walk into there at night, it's a different atmosphere. I've been to there at night and we saw it, you know, last week when, or not last week, two weeks ago when Tennessee went into Death Valley at 11 a.m. That place was a graveyard and Tennessee got on them from the start and they kicked the crap out of them. They kicked the crap out of them on deep passes, but also running the ball. And Ole Miss runs the ball extremely well. So if you look at the numbers, LSU, they don't really defend the run all that well. They're, they're very mediocre in their numbers. And here's some of the sample size of who they played. Southern University, that's an FCS team. Mississippi State, they're an air raid. New Mexico, maybe the worst offense in the country. And Auburn, which is a complete and utter disaster. In their last two games, they played Tennessee and Florida, where they've given up 200 combined rushing yards each. Uh, so I think that Ole Miss is going to line up. They're going to run the ball down their throats, and they're going to control the ball and win this game. So I'm going to take Ole Miss money line. I got it at about 105. Uh, depends where you look. I think you get 108, maybe some deviation in there. 
I, I'm worried about the line, but but Ole Miss is just going to line up and win this game. They're the better team. They're the more physical team. I'm not scared of LSU at home in this spot. I can't say I blame you, man. I mean, Ole Miss has done nothing wrong this year, and, and I think you would agree with that, right, In, including a big game against Kentucky earlier this year. I know that one was at home, but that was a – that was a statement win for them to beat Kentucky who's playing really well. And, and Kentucky's had a couple of stumbles, but they also lost their starting quarterback after that. So this was full strength Kentucky. Um, they, they win by double digits against Auburn handle Vanderbilt, blow them out. So I'm not sure what Ole Miss has done to this point to be an underdog in this game against LSU, who has shown against top top flight sec competition that they are a notch below. Yeah, I agree. I, they're just a better team. I, I don't understand where the – I don't know if I want to call it disrespect is coming on Ole Miss. Maybe it's a preseason prior that whoever's setting these lines is just, nope, they're going to fall apart. They're going to fall apart. I don't think they are. They're just going to hand the ball to Zach Evans and Ulysses Bentley and the, and the terrific freshman that they have on there and be like, hey, go run Buck Wild. Each one of them might run for 100 yards this game. I'm with you. I think it's I think it's a great handicap by you, and, and I'm probably going to be with you on that one. I'm going to go find the best number and get over the bridge here, uh, over to Indiana, and lock this one in with you because I, I agree with your analysis and your handicap of this one 100%. Texas at Oklahoma State, another 3.30 game on Saturday. This one on ABC, the Longhorns, a 6.5-point road favorite, over under 65-and-a-half. As we always like to see in the Big 12, lots of points being projected in this one. But uh, this we've seen some line movement away from Okie State in this one. Yeah, we have. Uh, And that's because Spencer Sanders is playing hurt and he's not confirmed to be playing this week at all. Uh, Mike Gundy actually won't tell us who's going to start. Uh, You mentioned that the line has moved away from Oklahoma State. That's uh, a bet on Spencer Sanders probably not playing. But if you look at the over-under of 65 and a half, that's a bet on Spencer Sanders is playing because I think if he doesn't play, Oklahoma State's not going to score all that many points. Uh, so let's take a look at their backup quarterback. His name is Gunner Gundy. And uh, yeah, that is Mike Gundy's son. He's a redshirt freshman. He was a zero-star prospect coming out of uh, high school. We know oh why he's on this team. Oh, boy. He, he probably knows the offense because – his dad is the head co- uh, head football coach. Does he have a mullet too? I got to Google Yeah, this. he does. Uh, yeah, they oh, look strikingly similar. It's it's unbelievable. Um, in 2022 this year, uh, he has 20 passing attempts, two touchdowns. Uh, he did throw an interception, only 60% completion. And you're going to throw – fortunately, it's at home, but you're going to throw him out there if he plays against Texas, whose defense uh, can be disruptive. And now he's got to keep up with the number one freshman quarterback, redshirt freshman quarterback in the country. Uh, I don't like that, so I'm probably not going to bet Oklahoma State if Spencer Sanders doesn't play. Uh, if I do, I'm probably – if Spencer Sanders doesn't play, I'm probably betting under 65 and a half just because I don't think that Oklahoma State's going to score all that many points without him. Uh, but if, if Sanders does play, I, I, I would pull the trigger on Oklahoma State. What I've heard, though, uh, in the local beat is that Mike Gundy is going to pull what Oklahoma pulled against Texas in the Red River shootout and not say anything and just maybe even warm up Spencer Sanders and then go throw the backup up out there. So uh, that's really tough for betters. Definitely approach this one with a lot of caution. If Sanders does play, Texas uh, is only favored by about three and a half in the aggregate power ratings on the road. So 
one thing I want to mention here is that that opening over under of 65 and a half when we start prepping for the show yesterday, we're recording this now on Wednesday morning, and that, that total has started to crash a little bit. It's gone from 65 and a half down to 61 in spots, oh 60, 60 and a half in another spot. Whoa, uh, I so that, still bet the under. Yeah, so you still like the under, but that to me is another yeah. comment on the quarterback situation, I assume. Yeah, well, these comments that uh, Gundy said about uh, we're not going to say or we don't know did come out uh, yesterday evening about 14, 16 hours ago. So that's probably in reaction to that. Fair enough. Gunner Gundy. Gunner what, Gundy. Like I, Now I want to know if that was his actual birth name or if it's a nickname. Because Oh, no, it, it's G-U-N-N-A-R. I'm going to vote for birth given i mean that's on that's definitely on the birth certificate that is 100 percent on the gundy birth certificate no stars what a what a country you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top u.s sports books all in one place then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Moving on to the Pac-12, UCLA at Oregon. 3.30 p.m. kickoff Eastern time on Fox. I feel like in the Pac-12 games, I should give Pacific time. Like, it's too much East Coast bias here. But nevertheless, 3.30 Eastern time on Fox for UCLA at Oregon. Total of 69 and a half, as it should be, in Chip Kelly's revenge spot against the Oregon Ducks. Once upon a time, Brett, at the beginning of my career, my first role was an Oregon Ducks beat reporter for one of the local TV stations there. Chip Kelly was a pleasure to cover. It was a dream scenario. He had some you know, stumbles in the NFL, is back at UCLA winning some games here. But I know the people up in the Pacific Northwest would love, even though they absolutely loved every second when Chip Kelly was their head coach, it was an amazing era for the Ducks. But that still doesn't mean they, they wouldn't love getting a little, uh, little win over their old coach. And I'm sure Chip Kelly wants some revenge on his old program as well. Yeah, this is uh, probably the best game of the weekend. Uh, just a terrific, terrific matchup. College game day chose it as their spot to be this week, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, you can throw on Oregon, and that's really about it. They're 121st in passing success rate allowed. That's alarming, um, but they're also like top 25 in just about every other spot. So uh, if you can throw on them, that's great. And uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson can throw the heck out of the ball. He's been spinning it this year. He's 15th in uh, EPA among quarterbacks and fifth in passing efficiency. Fifth. He is just outstanding. He's quietly making uh, a nice run at at a Heisman possible uh, season. If he wins this game, he is going to be in the conversation. I did put him in a piece that uh, is coming out the lines this week about the biggest movement preseason to now in Heisman odds uh, during Thomas Robinson is on that. Uh, let's talk about some offensive lines though, because this is what the people come here to listen for. 
the Oregon offensive line <laughs> has generated the fifth most line yards so far this season, and that has led to the number one rushing success rate offense. So Oregon is going to line up. They're going to run the ball. They're going to do it well uh, behind one of the nation's best offensive lines. UCLA's offensive line, also very good. They've generated the eighth most uh, adjusted line yards and the aggregate power ratings like Oregon by about 4.8 at home with the line at six situationally. I don't think that's a big enough gap for me to get really excited about betting UCLA. Uh, and I also want to talk about DTR on the road in the last two seasons. He has not been tested on the road in three full years because we didn't have fans in 2020. But in the last two seasons, he has faced a total win percentage of 0.241. That's 24.1% win percentage on his road test. That's Arizona. That's Colorado. He's playing in a bad Washington team last year. Stanford, all these teams that have been down. These are the environments that he's going to and playing. So not very scary. And now he's got to walk into Eugene, Oregon in probably the Ducks' biggest game of the year. So situationally, I'm worried about that. The numbers are telling me to lean UCLA as a road dog here. Uh, and you can keep betting against UCLA if you want. You can. It's probably not going to go very well. I just worry about situationally in this spot if DTR can step up and have his Heisman moment or if the moment's going to be a little bit too big and pull him back. Yeah, I mean, UCLA, it, it's been impressive. They they got the double-digit win over Utah, who we just saw pull the upset over USC. They get an eight-point win over Washington when, at that point, we thought Washington was was pretty frisky. Uh, <laughs> Emphasis on when we thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when we thought. Uh, the beginning of their schedule was an absolute cakewalk the first four weeks of the season, but I, I agree with you. There's, there's an aspect here to this schedule for UCLA where first of all, their their home games are empty. Like they don't play. It might as well be 2020 with the UCLA fan support that comes to that stadium. Colorado's in a really down year. That's not any kind of home field advantage. Autzen is a totally different animal that this team has not faced, not even come close to facing at this point. It will be extremely loud. The Ducks fans will be up for a game against Chip Kelly in this one. And it, I, I honestly, I've I've covered games at every single Pac-12 stadium, with the exception of, of Utah um, and Colorado, because they weren't in the Pac-12 yet when I was out there covering it. But Autzen is the loudest stadium. Like I think Utah might be might have taken that after what I saw the other night. That was unbelievable what I saw in Utah with that blackout. But other than that, Autzen is extremely loud. It is everything funnels down to the field. Uh, I've had to turn the speaker down on my camera when I'm shooting at Autzen because it's blowing my ear out. It's so loud. Um, so it, it is not I'm yelling at the person next to me so that they can hear me when I'm on the sidelines at Autzen. This is a big deal that UCLA hasn't faced anything like this. So I, I think the the line is is fair. Uh, it might be another spot where I'm looking to get a live bet in on Oregon if they get off to a bit of a slow start. But um, yeah, I, I don't think that can be underestimated here in this game. So, you know, do you, you, you don't have a bet yet in on this one. Is there a, a number live that you'd be in, interested at Oregon? Um, if we get maybe like a, a four or a three and a half. I don't know, because I think if Utah comes out strong and swinging that Utah is going to control UCLA, you mean or UCLA? UCLA, I'm sorry. Yeah. If UCLA comes out strong and is is swinging for the fences and they beat up Oregon in the first couple of drives, I think UCLA is going to maintain that. We might just have to accept that they're a really good football team. 
Um, not that this is usable data, but the only time uh, DTR has played in Eugene, his team scored six points. So that was back in 2018. I'm not really factoring that in because that was a completely different circumstance. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's a live number that I like for Oregon. If UCLA gets out to a big start, maybe if neither team gets out to a really fast start and that line kind of holds around six, maybe even dips to five and a half, four and a half for Oregon, um, maybe it's it's worth considering. But I'm just taking this one really cautionary because the numbers, again, are are really close to what the spread is. They're telling me to lean the road dog. But situationally, I cannot do that. Night game, primetime on ABC, 7.30 p.m. kickoff between Minnesota and Penn State, the number 16 team in the country, the Nittany Lions. Penn State, a four-and-a-half-point home favorite. 44-and-a-half is the total. I believe you mentioned you're going to be at this one, right, the whiteout? I sure will. What? Wait, it's a shame, by the way, that Penn State has to use the whiteout on Minnesota. That's typically not what the whiteout game is, but Minnesota's pretty good. Uh, ooh, are they? <laughs> are they good? Well, we thought they were a couple weeks ago. Please update me. Are we off the Minnesota wagon? I, I am. Yeah, no, I'm completely off. Their wins this season, New Mexico State, Western Illinois is in the FCS, Colorado and Michigan State. So you have two teams that are in the bottom 10 in uh, FPI power ratings, really whatever you look at in New Mexico State and Colorado, uh, Western Illinois, again, Division One, AA, and Michigan State, who is playing like a team that is in the bottom 10 in FBI, uh, even though they got the win over Wisconsin this past week. Uh, their wins are suspect. Their two losses this season against Purdue and Illinois, the two halfway decent teams, good teams, you know, I, I, I say on, on their schedule. And now they're playing another good team on the road in Penn State in a whiteout. Good luck. Have fun. Um, Penn State, I don't know who they're starting at quarterback. It's probably going to be Sean Clifford because uh, James Franklin came out yesterday and said that nothing has changed in his quarterback situation, but we saw Clifford get benched against Michigan. Uh, the game was pretty out of hand. Penn State scored a grand total of zero offensive touchdowns. They only had the pick six. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Their offense is, is just terrible. So I don't know if it's going to be Sean Clifford or the five-star Drew Alar, who actually burned his red shirt last week. So now James Franklin's looking at a player like, well, we can't redshirt him, so he's just going to waste the year of eligibility not playing. I don't buy that. I think because they put him in the game last week, they, they could have put in a different backup. They, they really could have and not burned a Lars redshirt. But because they burned it, that kind of tells me he might be the starter going forward. I know James Franklin said nothing has changed. I know, but burning a redshirt is a really big freaking deal. Um, Tanner Morgan, he hasn't been ruled out for Minnesota yet, but he did leave last week hurt. Uh, can we just get a healthy Minnesota team for five seconds? It's either we have a healthy Tanner Morgan or we have a healthy Mo Ibrahim. Uh, good God. It's, it's just sad because this team could be really good with both of them playing. Um, I want to look at last week's result against Illinois for Minnesota. Chase Brown, their terrific running back over there, Illinois, had 41 rushing attempts. So I think the game plan was pretty clear that you can run the football in Minnesota. Again, the numbers are inflated. Look at their last two, last three. Don't look at the whole season because they're playing crap teams to start. Uh, actually, through those first three weeks, they had the easiest schedule in the entire country. So uh, if you look at like Penn State first half, uh, they're favored by two and a half points. That's juice toward Penn State, but that's probably the best play. I don't like paying the juice on there. But again, with such a low point total, every point kind of matters. So 
I guess I don't hate it, but Penn State's probably going to come out in this game and be really jazzed in front of the whiteout, even though it's not against Ohio State. I think people at the stadium are just going to look at records and be like, oh, Minnesota 4-2. and two. Yeah, I mean, no, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, this game has potential to be a total disaster, though. So I just warn you on the full game. I don't really love betting four and a half numbers because it's not close enough to one of those key figures to really make a huge difference for me. Um, but just be careful of this game turning into just mayhem. With with Morgan and Ibrahim being banged up, it's 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 fair to say that they're probably not going to be 100% even if they play. Is that accurate? Definitely for Tanner Morgan. That, that's 100% accurate for Tanner Morgan. And it probably applies to Ibrahim too because if he's playing banged up, and let's say Tanner Morgan doesn't play or he's not playing at 100%, uh, Minnesota is really going to crutch on him a lot more because, you know, you can look at last week and be like, well, Michigan ran the heck out of the ball, ran all over Penn State. That's Michigan. They've Their rushing offense is not comparable to Minnesota's whatsoever. Um, but I think that they'll go out and try. So if you're running this banged up running back over and over and over again, there is a potential as you get into the game that he gets less and less healthy. Depending on where you shop, you can get uh, the number that you want here, depending on who you want to back, because there's a as we record this on Wednesday, Penn State's only a four point favorite at Caesars. They are four and a half pretty much everywhere else. But there's a five as well at DraftKings. Uh, So, again, emphasizing making sure you're shopping for the best number. And again, go to the lines.com under the odds tab. And then under NCAA football, you can click on the weekly college football lines and just very easily line shop to find the best number to make sure you're maximizing your value every week. And as we're mentioning that, if you're watching us on YouTube here, be sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Let us know in the comments who you are betting on this week in college football. All right. I did wanna, yeah, go ahead, Brett. Sorry, I, I want to jump in here and talk about uh, just to add a, a little extra bit to that line shopping. Line shopping yeah. is the number one most important thing we talk about the lines. Now, when evaluating whether or not you want to make a bet, I talked about, well, it's not close enough to a key number. And go ahead and, and punch in Google just a quick spread to money line converter chart, whatever. You can find plenty of them. Uh, for college football and understand what you're dealing with. They're called push rates. It's how frequently or infrequently a game lands on a certain number. So for example, three points, uh, the differential is higher than, you know, more games fall on a three point differential than any other number in football. It's because there's field goals, walk off, it's et cetera. So know that like the difference between four and five is really not all that big because not a lot of games end on a square four or a square five. So if you're looking at it and you're like, oh, I don't know if I really want to bet, you know, Penn State minus five. Well, if the line moves a little bit and you wait till closer to kickoff, you're not really losing a ton of value. Whereas if right. it's Penn State minus seven or seven and a half or three or three and a half, you really do want to get on that because if that number changes, that is a huge swing in implied uh, win probability. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I- you, you took the words right out of my mouth. If, if you guys are watching this later and Penn State happens to be a five-point favorite, just wait as long as you can until kickoff. If you want to back Penn State, see if it drops to four and a half or four. And then if it doesn't, just make sure you get it before it gets to six. That's basically what you're trying to do here because that, that five number is a dead number that you really don't have to worry about. Um, very small, very, very small number of games that land on that five number, obviously, in football, and both NFL and college football. 
Kansas State at TCU, 8 o'clock Eastern time kickoff on FS1. TCU, a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. Total in this one of 55. What has this game circled for you? Uh, the fact that TCU is just shredding through everybody, and uh, particularly quarterbacks. <laughs> They've hurt Dylan Gabriel and Jalen Daniels in back-to-back games, and Spencer Sanders played against them hurt. Uh, I, I said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I, I'm not sure if TCU is any good because they always have an asterisk next to their right. opponents that they played. Well, now they beat Oklahoma State. And if you want to put an asterisk next to that due to some suspect officiating or just kind of some luck, sure, I get that. But it's time to say that TCU is a freaking good football team and quit betting against them because you're it's been losing. I, I personally have lost betting against TCU uh, quite a bit. Um, but we should really consider renaming this podcast to TCU and Syracuse Orange Hour because that's <laughs> really the only teams we've talked about this year. Hey, man, year. value is value. Value is value, except for uh, when you're repeatedly wrong about one of them like I am. Um, <laughs> Ken, uh, <laughs> Kansas State's probably the best pass defense that TCU's faced so far this season. They really haven't had a lot of uh, resistance on that front. But that's not to say that the Max Duggan and, and Quinn and Johnston link up isn't going to work in this game because they're both playing just out of their freaking minds. Um, Kansas State is ninth in passing success rate allowed, uh, but they are 37th uh, in 20 plus yard pass plays allowed. TCU admittedly openly tells everyone, Sonny Dykes has told you, my offense is built on explosive passing plays. So they're going to continue to just chuck it up down the field and it's working. And they're going to continue to do that on Saturday. Kansas State, again, great pass defense. They have given up, you know, more 20 plus yard plays than, than you would be led to believe. Uh, on the flip side, on offense, the Wildcats can and will run on TCU. That's going to happen. Adrian Martinez is going to get his yardage if he doesn't get hurt. Um, thanks, TCU, for that. But, uh, you know, numbers for TCU are, are pretty good against the run, but that's really out of necessity because when you're playing a team that throws the ball a hundred times down the field, you can't just line up and run the ball and expect to keep, keep with them. TCU gets in track meets. So their good numbers, I think are more geared towards the necessity of having to throw the ball down the field, abandon the run. Um, so I, I think that is kind of inflating those a little bit from what I've seen, Kansas state's going to be able to run the ball on TCU, probably throw it a little bit on them as well. Um, the aggregate power ratings like TCU by 4.7 points. Uh, that's not really a huge deviation off that three and a half, uh, especially again for situational football, uh, every game that TCU plays right now in this stretch of just Oklahoma ranked Kansas ranked, uh, Oklahoma state ranked Kansas state. They have ranked, uh, Texas coming up here soon. That is, it's just a very difficult stretch to play with. So I don't think the difference in the power ratings and the spread is enough to really get me excited uh tcu first half one and a half points it's juiced a little bit but i kind of like that i think tcu is going to get out to a fast start um or a good start i should say not a fast start because tcu has not gotten off to fast starts this year uh a good start and and i think that they could take this one and a half time leading brett as we close up shop here just couple of the other headline teams in college football right now, Ohio state, number two in the country, 29 point favorite home against Iowa. Do you know uh, what Iowa's implied team total is, or, or I'm sorry, what their team total actually is that, that you can bet today. Oh my God. I'm nine, doing the math right now. Nine and a it? half points, nine and a half points. Oh yes, my if God. You, if you want to bet the over it's minus minus one twenty that I've seen it, it is juiced. Um, 
garbage Nine time touchdown a, or a touchdown and a field goal, a defensive touchdown and a field goal. Like, yeah, yeah. I kind of, I, I kind of don't tell anybody, but I kind of like Iowa over the team total there. Nine points. It's, I mean, it's, it's nine and a half, man. I mean, yeah. you're not asking a lot here. It's right. about as low as you can get a team total. Like, what do we? Wasn't there? That's got to be like the second lowest this year. I think there was another team early in the season that had like one of like five and a half or something when they're playing. Yeah, Wisconsin. yeah, no, it, it was. Yeah, it's. I, just, I don't remember Ohio's, either. Ohio but. State's going to be like forty points. It's not yeah. going to be close. Tennessee's playing UT Martin after the big Alabama win. There's no spread in that one. Um, Alabama Mississippi State was yeah one that we twenty-one left off point here. favorite Alabama trying to bounce back here. You know, not only this the spread, but also you were kind of mentioned on Twitter this week. Bama futures haven't moved a ton because they're no. going to be such big favorites the rest of the regular season and have every opportunity to still get into the playoff in the SEC title game, right? Yeah, and if Alabama, you know, let's say Tennessee takes down Georgia, well that that'd be a different story. But like if Alabama plays Tennessee in the SEC championship game. Like it took Tennessee in front of maybe the most incredible crowd in the past 25 years in college football, a lot of luck, a little bit of officiating and just a heck of a game. Are you going to take that to Atlanta and play that same exact game? Because I'm probably not backing the Vols if that's the case. Um, Alabama's going to be just fine. And, you know, Nick Saban came out and said, well, the Mike Leach system is really difficult to defend. Um, and people were clowning him on Twitter, like, oh, well, it can't be that hard because he beat the crap out of him. And, and one of my favorite follows on Twitter, at Stats of War, uh, rebuttaled and said, he said it was hard. He didn't say he wasn't good at it. So I think uh, Nick Saban and Alabama are going to make a statement. I would not want to be on the Mississippi State team this week. Bama Futures now the third choice at plus 450 behind Ohio State and Georgia around plus 180, plus 190. There are some plus 200s on Georgia, so the market absolutely not counting out Alabama at this point, nor should they. Gibbons no. also mentioned he's got a Heisman article coming out this week uh, on thelines.com. Be sure to check that out. If you read his preseason article, you would have known that Hooker at Tennessee was a prime uh, long shot candidate coming into the season. Hopefully you followed that advice and we'll see if Tennessee can keep this rolling. Uh, but any other final thoughts here, Gibbons, before we close up? No, this, this is going to be a weekend where it's following up maybe the biggest weekend in college football in the past couple of years. Uh, it doesn't have quite the same sex appeals last week did on this. That means there is going to be some absolutely disgustingly weird upsets. Don't, don't take your eyes off this. It's the ones you overlook that gets you. If you want to bet when Brett bets, make sure you go to the Discord button at the top right-hand corner of the lines.com. It's free to join. And then under the roles server, you can click on the buttons to make sure you get a push notification every time not only Brett, but any member of our staff locks in a bet, a free service that we provide here to make sure you get the best of the number so you can see how we're thinking, learn when we learn and also have great conversations with the rest of our sports betting community here at thelines.com. For Brett Gibbons, I'm Steven Andrus. Thanks for watching. Best of luck in week eight of the college football season. 